Well, thanks, guys. It is great to be here today. Um, We're going to be talking about how God can help make things different and better in in our lives. Uh, So I want to welcome you guys that are here today joining us in person, those of you who are joining us online. I have uh, had a great, great respect and admiration for this church. You guys are impacting people's lives and hearts all over this, uh, this region, actually. And uh, it is just so neat to hear and see what you guys are doing in the day to be able to experience some of this uh, with you. And I've had a great admiration and respect for, for your pastor. I uh, first encountered Pastor Doug. Uh, he wasn't a pastor at the time. He was a uh, graduate school uh, student in, in Fort Worth. I was there pursuing my master's. He was pursuing his, his doctorate. He probably didn't know who I was at all, but I was very aware of who he was. Uh, when professors weren't there to do the lectures, he would step in a, a lot of times. And part of what was so impressive about him and some of the guys that he hang with, hung with at that time was their passion for Jesus. Jesus and their commitment to God's Word. And uh, he was one of the ones that I really looked up to. He was actually younger than I was, and I don't know how he, how he was already in his doctorate, because I thought I had flown through college, graduated a little bit earlier, but he was way ahead, ahead of me, so he must be like a genius or something. I, I'm not sure about that. But, uh, but it is great to be here and, uh, and join with you straight out of graduate school, out of, out of seminary. Uh, my wife and I moved to an established church in Oklahoma City, an inner, inner city of Oklahoma City. They had been in decline for, for several years. God gave us the privilege, the opportunity to be a part of helping that church turn things around. Saw four years of growth there. And then God led us to step out in faith to move away from from this church we'd we'd been a part of take a major cut in salary which takes a lot from your wife to do something like like that and and to move to Edwardsville Illinois to start a church when we got here there were about 30 people that were part of kind of the the core group that that we were going to to start with including kids we began to meet in in a basement we had a big launch day that was planned for Easter of of that year and the church a heartbeat that we had was to be a church for, for people who didn't even like church People had kind of given up on, on church um, who were far, far from God, thought it was boring, irrelevant, didn't connect with, with them. We want to be a church for those kinds of, of, of individuals in, in, their, in their lives. And so we began to reach out to, to people in the area. And when that, that Sunday came along, we, we were renting out a public school f- facility to, to meet. First Sunday rolled, rolled along, and we had 163 people. Went from 35 to 163 people. Four people received Christ that, that Sunday. One of them I was able to talk to by phone this week who's still pursuing Jesus in, in his life. And uh, we were just like, man, when we saw that happen, we're like, man, God is up to something here. And things took off from there. Over the next 12 years, we continued to meet and rent facilities in, in different schools. And we bounced around as we continued to grow. Grew to about 800 in rented facilities and then built a building. And then a few years after that, started another campus in, uh, in Vandalia. Illinois. And then this year, at the beginning of this year, God released my wife and I uh, to uh, step out again in, in, in faith and uh, do something new and different, leave this, this church we've been a part of, that we've seen so many things happen in, and, and to step out to help accelerate a multiplying movement across the state of, of Illinois in helping start churches and helping churches that are wanting to multiply and make a difference. And that's, that's what we're called to be, isn't it? I mean, as, as individuals, 
individuals to be multiplying and replicating ourselves into others, to be followers of Christ, who make followers of Christ, who make followers of Christ. And ultimately that results in us starting churches and impacting people around us for the cause of Jesus. So that's kind of what, what we've been about. But, you know, I, I, I don't know about you, but there have been so many times in my life where I've thought, man, I, I just wish that things could be different, that things could somehow be better in, in my life. And sometimes it's, it's just the pressure, the stress, uh, all the responsibilities, projects, deadlines that, that, that I've got. Oh, I just wish they were, I just wish things were different right now. Sometimes it's, it's in relationships. There's tension in relationships. Sometimes it's with people that we work with, sometimes with friends, with family members, sometimes in, in our marriages. And just a, a week or two ago, uh, I was going through a lot of stuff, a lot of weighty stuff that I was, I was carrying, big project that I was dealing with. In the middle of that, had a, a close friend of ours that, uh, that passed away unexpectedly. There were several other things that were weighing me down. And, and I wasn't dealing with it all well. And, and I wasn't there really the way that I, that I should have been for, for my wife. And I wasn't as sensitive as, as I would have liked to have been for, for her. And that created tension in the relationship. And man, if you're married and there's tension and you're married, you know that can be just so, so draining. And I found myself thinking, oh, I just wish things were different. I wish, it, wish things were better right, right now. Sometimes it's, it's a concern for others in, in our life. Do we wish things were different? Do we wish things were, were better in, in the lives of people around us? We see them and we see that they're struggling. Maybe we're concerned about their spiritual life. My guess is that at some time or another, probably every single one of you here have had that thought. Oh, man, I just wish somehow things could be different. I wish somehow things could be, could be better in my life. A lot of times what comes to mind is when we think about things being different, when we think about things being better in, in life, what, what comes to mind is bigger, faster, newer, or shinier, or fancier, you know, what, whatever it is, you know, a, a bigger house, a newer, newer car, latest in the technology, what, whatever. That's not what we're talking about today, okay? Because realize, I, I think most of you, you know, you've tried that. You've tried all those things, bigger, faster, fancier. You, you've done that. It's empty. It's hollow. Yeah, it's, it's cool for a while. It's like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do this. And, and, but in no time, that, that wears off. What I'm talking about is something internal, an inner peace. I'm talking about our soul, things being different and better here, finding wholeness, leading a life that's complete. But here's the deal. If things are going to be different, if things are going to be better in our lives, we have got to be willing to do some things differently. And the problem is that a lot of us, we want things to be different. We just don't want to change anything ourselves. And we want everything around us to change. We, we want the circumstances to change. Oh, if the circumstances were different and that changed, or, or if people around us would, would, would change, then everything would be, would be great. But if things are going to be different in our lives, if they're going to be better, it doesn't start out there. It doesn't start with circumstances. It doesn't start with, with other people. It starts right here. It starts with me. It starts with you. 
We can't change circumstances around. We can't change everything. You can't change the people around you. We try, don't we? I mean, that's one of the first things we, we turn to in, in, in marriage. One of the biggest mistakes we make is trying to change our spouse. If they would just do this, if they would just stop doing this, if they just... If they, no, we can't change anybody else. But what we can do with God's help is we can change ourselves. And so what we've got to do is we've got to focus on what we can do. And what we can do with God's help is we can do some things differently. We can change some things in us. And when that happens, we become difference makers. Difference makers in our own lives as well as in the lives of those around us, in our marriages, in our friendships, with those that, that we interact with, that, that we work with. A lot of you here, you have some things in your life that you know internally, deep down, you know that God wants you to do. And you know that if you were to do some of those things that God wants you to do, things would be different. And things would be better. What happens so many times is we just keep putting it off. We keep coming up with excuses, blaming people, blaming circumstances, waiting for everything to be just right. And when this happens, that, then I'm going to do this, whatever it is that you know that God wants you to do. Stop waiting for perfect circumstances. There's no such thing. You know, do something. You need to focus on doing some things differently and doing it now with God's help in your life because God has given you everything you, knew, you, you need to do, everything that he has called you to do. He's given you everything you need to do what he has called you to do. So what I want to do today is I want to look at an example of this in Scripture. So if you have your Bible, if you would open it, whether it's your, your phone or book Bible, whatever, paper Bible, um, to Acts chapter 14. Acts, A-C-T-S. Not, we're not talking about Acts like, like chop down a tree, but Acts. It's the Acts, the activities of the Holy Spirit of God or of his disciples, his followers, as this movement that Jesus sets in motion takes off like wildfire in the, in, the first, in the first century. In the midst of that, we begin to hear about this guy by the name of Paul. And as you look at his, at his life, you discover that from early on in his life, he was a very religious and spiritual person. Some of you guys, throughout your life, you have been very spiritual, you have been very religious, but Paul, in spite of his religiosity, his life was empty. It was hollow. And it wasn't until he turned to Jesus. It wasn't until he had a real encounter with Jesus in his life and he experienced forgiveness that he discovered the inner peace and hope and his sense of purpose in life. As you look at his life, you discover that Paul was someone who had a bias for action. He was, he was a difference maker. He didn't talk about doing things. He didn't just think about doing things. I mean, he, he, he did things. Now, what, what Paul wanted to be different and better in his life, maybe different from what you would like to be different and better in your life. But the practices that we need to integrate into our lives for that to be a reality, for things to be different and better, are, are, are pretty much the same. Now, what Paul wanted to be different and better is that he wanted people around him. He had a concern for others, and he wanted people around him to discover 
and experience the change that he himself had experienced. And so what Paul's doing, he's doing everything he can to tell people about this Jesus who can bring wholeness to their, to their lives. And in the midst of that, God gives him the, the supernatural enablement to heal someone. And the people around who see it, who experience I mean, just imagine if you had been there and you had seen Paul heal someone, they're, they're taken aback. They're like stunned. I mean, they're, they're like, whoa, this, this is unbelievable. And, and we're told that they start worshiping Paul and Barnabas, the guy who, who's with him. So look at this. That's where we pick up. Acts chapter 14, beginning in verse 11. says, when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted, saying in Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. They're thinking gods have come down from the heavens, the sky. And then they're there amongst, amongst them. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. Now Zeus and Hermes were two well-known Greek, Greek gods. And in fact, there was a temple to Zeus in that very community in, in Lystra. Verse 13, it says, The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the town, brought bulls and wreaths to, to the gates because he intended, with the crowds, to offer sacrifice. But the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, tore their robes when they heard this and rushed in to the crowd shouting, People! People are trying to get their attention. Why are you doing these things? What's going on? We are people also just like you. And we are proclaiming good news to you. That you turn from these worthless things. You turn away from the worthless things that, that you're all caught up in in your life. And turn to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. They're, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you guys doing? You don't need to worship us. We're, we're just like you. We're just people. All we're trying to do is we're trying to tell you about this amazing, amazing God who can give your life meaning, who can give you forgiveness, who can give you a whole new start in your life. Then for sake of time, skip on down to verse 18. It says, even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Even though Paul and Barnabas are trying to do everything they can to point people to, to Jesus himself, the, the crowd is just mesmerized by Paul and Barnabas. So here's the first essential component if things are going to be different, if things are going to be better in your life. Number one, we need to join God in what he is doing. If things are going to be different, if they're going to be better in lives, we need to join God in what he's doing. That's what Paul did. Paul had joined God in what he was doing. He didn't come up with his own random dream, his own random idea, thinking, oh, I think this would be fun. I'm going to pursue that. I think this would be cool. No, he, he didn't manufacture some dream, some plan, some purpose that he had for his life. He pursued God's purpose. He joined up with God in his redemptive plan. Pursue God's purpose for his life. Part of God's purpose for every one of us is that we know him deeply, that we love him fully, and that we make him known to others. There is no cause that is bigger or grander than joining God in what he is doing. I think about it. We have, the chance, you, we have the chance to be a part of helping people connect with God, like the God of the universe. 
We have the opportunity to help people experience forgiveness, to experience God's love, to experience eternal life, like they're going to live forever. We have the opportunity to make an eternal difference in people's lives. But over the years, you know what I've seen so many times? I've seen people come up with their own dreams, even Christians, even people who claim to be followers of Jesus, they come up with their their own idea, their own dream, their own plan of what they're going to do with their life without ever really consulting God. I'm just going to do this or that. Or there are others who would claim that they've consulted God, but the reality is they just came up with some idea of what they're going to do with, with their lives. And they say, oh God, this is what I'm going to do. God, I want you to bless what I'm doing. Put your blanket of blessing on what I'm doing, but I'm going to do what I want to do. But God, I, I do want your blessing, but... And we end up going out, and we go, oh man, you know what I'd love to have? I'd love to have a boat and a vacation home on the lake where we could go out to the lake every weekend, and they get it, and they're going out to the lake, having a great time, and God just slides to the back burner of the whole family's life. Or they have a son or a daughter, and their dream has been that son or daughter to be on some select traveling team, some elite team. And they make it. And next thing you know, that sport, that activity becomes that teenager's little mini God. Their idol. And becomes more important to them than their spiritual life, than Jesus himself. Or we get that promotion that we wanted so bad and all of a sudden we're so busy. We don't have time for God. Or we get all caught up, super busy. These recreational activities, fishing, it's hunting, it's... It's golf, it's cycling, it's pickleball, it's, you know, shopping, whatever it is. And we just kind of leave God out of the picture. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any of those things. Those aren't bad things. But even good things can distract us at times from God's best. Let's just be real. There are some of the things that we are pursuing in our lives that even though they're not bad, they're distracting us and they're keeping us from being in alignment with what God has for our lives. Here's here's the deal. We need to make sure that whatever it is that we want to be different and better in our lives is what God wants to be different and better in our lives. And there are certain things that we can know, that we, we, we know is what God wants for our life. If you're married, you can know that God wants you to love, serve, honor, respect, to be your, your spouse's greatest fan and cheerleader. You can know that that's part of his plan for, for your life. If you have kids, you can know that part of God's plan for your life is for you to point your kids towards Jesus. I'm telling you, whatever you do, don't miss out on that. We can know that part of God's plan and purpose for our lives is for us to be a part of helping expand the kingdom of God. You know that part of God's purpose for you to love and serve and honor and respect and just be nice and kind to the people that you rub shoulders with every day, even though they may be tough to be kind to and be nice to. But it's still part of God's very plan and purpose 
for our lives. We need to join God in what he is doing. It goes on in the scripture, verse 19, back to this. It says, some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, which were nearby communities, and when they won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city thinking he was dead. And if you're hearing that for the first time, you may go, what? I mean, this is crazy. They're just worshiping him. They're thinking, whoa, they're gods. And now they're stoning them to death or trying to. What's up with that? And people around you can be incredibly fickle. Whatever you do, don't base your sense of worth and value on what people around you say. I mean, one moment they think you're a hero, the next they think you're, you're, you're a zero. Base your identity, base your sense of worth, your sense of value on what God says. And what he says about you. You may not feel loved, but God says you are deeply loved by him. You are accepted by him. You are special to him. It continues, verse 20. After the disciples gathered around him, he got up. They, they, they leave him for dead. Somehow he survives this. He gets up and he went into town. The next day, he left with Barnabas for, for Derby. It, it says, Here, here's the second essential component. If things are going to be different, okay, if things are going to be better in our lives, number two, we need to get back up. So we, we, we need to get back up. When things go south, don't stay down. Don't allow it to keep you down. Get back up. Some of you are facing that. I don't know what the hardship is that maybe you've faced, maybe recently, maybe that you're facing right now, or the hardship that you're going to face in the very near future. And there may be hardships that even come as you serve and pursue the purpose that God has for you. Paul was pursuing the purpose that God had for him. And in the midst of that, he faces difficulties in his life. Know that there are going to be naysayers in your life. Know that you are going to face adversity. You are going to face challenges. Hey, Paul faced all kinds of adversity, all kinds of setbacks, curves that were thrown his way. He's beat. He's stoned, as we see, to within an inch of his life. He goes through shipwrecks. I mean, he just goes through all kinds of different things. We're going to get not knocked down. People are going to hurt us. People are going to misrepresent things that we did. They're going to misrepresent things that we've said in our lives. They're going to falsely accuse us of certain things in our lives. But when it happens and you are beat down and you're down, get back up. Sometimes, though, let's, let's be honest, sometimes we, we just knock ourselves down. Sometimes we, we blow it. We blow it in our marriage. We blow, blow it in our parenting. We blow it as boss. We blow it as, as an employee. We blow it as, as a friend. Sometimes we we give in to temptation, and, and as a result of it, we end up wrecking relationships, wrecking our marriage, wrecking our, our, our family. 
And we end up a lot of times carrying massive loads of guilt and shame and regret. And, and, and we just live beating ourselves up over these things. In Jesus, there's forgiveness. Scripture says, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. The, the slate is wiped clean. Apologize. Make restitution when and where possible. But then you get back up and you move on. We can't change what we did in the past. But with God's help, we can change what we do in the future. We can't change what we did yesterday. But with God's help, we can change what we do tomorrow. When we get knocked down, we need to get back up. You remember the account of, of Jesus when he, when he walks on water? The, the disciples are out in a boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. It's nighttime, it's, it's dark, the waves are crashing, it's, the, the wind is, is blowing. They're kind of freaking out just because of the storm, which are tough, seasoned fishermen, and they're freaking out. But here comes Jesus, I don't know, his midnight stroll, I don't know what this is, but he comes walking out on, on the water. And if you're there, if you're in the boat, just try to imagine, what would you be thinking at that point? Well, they're terrified. They don't know what to say. They're freaking out. All except Peter. I, I think he's probably freaking out, but he, he almost always has something to say. Uh, so, so he blurts out, Jesus, is that you? Call me out onto the water. And Jesus says, Peter, come on. And Peter, in that context, I mean, he gets out of the boat, and he actually walks on water. And he goes walking towards Jesus. He is walking on water. But then the wind and the waves catch his attention and, and he begins to freak out and then his fears begin to get the best of him and we're told that he begins to sink. And some people kind of look down their noses on Peter because he kind of lost sight of, of Jesus. I, I've personally been pretty impressed by Peter. I mean, he's the only person other than Jesus who ever walked on water. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah, he got distracted, but he actually walked on water. You know why? Because he was willing to step out in faith. He got out of the boat. If you're going to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. If you're going to do anything big in your life, you got to be willing to take a step of faith and get out of the boat. If things are going to be different, if things are going to be better in your life, You've got to be willing to get out of the boat. You've got to be willing to take a step of faith. You've got to be willing to do some things differently in your life. Peter at least stepped out of the boat. But he does begin to sink. And I never thought of it until recently, but we're not really told exactly how far down he sinks. I mean, is, is it like ankle deep? Is it like knee deep? Is it just a little bit? Or does, is it like what would happen if you and I try to walk on water? I mean, if we try to walk on water, we're going down fast. And I think that's probably what happened. And he's there just barely able to gasp for air. God! And in that moment, going under, sinking, he goes, Jesus, help me. And Jesus reaches out, and he pulls him up, and he takes him back to the boat.
Some of you are here today, and you may be sinking. You may be going under, and you think it's for the last time. Get back up. Turn to Jesus. Reach out to Jesus, and he will be there to lift you up out of whatever it is that you're going through. When you're knocked down, when you feel like giving up, turn to Jesus and get back up. After Paul gets up, he goes on to Derby to a neighboring town. And he's just been stoned within an inch of his life. I mean, I think at that point I'm going, time out, God. I need to process this. This isn't what I signed up for. I wasn't expecting this. I just about died right here. But he doesn't. He just gets up and goes on to the next town. Number three, the third key component. If things are going to be different, if things are going to be better in our lives, we need to keep going even when it's hard. We need to keep going, even when it's hard. We don't give up. We don't wallow in self-pity. Paul got back up, and look what he does. Goes on to the next little town of, of, of Derby. It says in uh, verse 21, it says, After they had preached the gospel in that town and made many disciples. I mean, this is crazy amazing. I mean, he, he just goes right back to telling people about Jesus. He doesn't come up with, with a bunch of excuses why this isn't a good time. He doesn't, he doesn't put it off or anything like He just goes right back. And they return to Lystra, which that in and of itself is dumbfounding. Lystra is the town where just a few days earlier, he's been stoned to within an inch of his life, and he just goes right back there. And continues telling people about Jesus. And then on to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the disciples by encouraging them to continue in the faith and by telling them it is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. We need to keep going even when we face hardships, even when we face obstacles. Don't let the crowd, don't let culture, don't let the naysayers, the loudest voice intimidate you and keep you from doing what God has called you to do. Whatever it is that God is nudging you, calling you to do, pursue it. Make sure it's what God is calling you to do, not just something you fabricated, you came up with on your own. But if God is calling you to do it, keep pressing ahead. And look around in your life. Look at the people that you interact with. Look at the emptiness and people that you know, the scars, the heartache in, your li- in their lives. How could you help the people around you? Who could you help connect with God? Who could you help have a a healthier and a better life? Paul got up and he kept telling people about Jesus. You know why? Because he knew that ultimately the greatest need that anyone has, whether they realize it or not, the greatest need that you have, whether you realize it or not, is Jesus. You need Jesus. People need Jesus. Don't wait till you have perfect circumstances. Don't wait till you have ideal circumstances. When we started Metro Community Church 31 years ago, circumstances were not ideal. We didn't have enough people, our core group. 
We didn't have enough financial resources. The school that we started in, it wasn't the ideal location. The parking was not a good situation there. The sound system that we had was awful. But we stepped out in faith. We started our campus in Mandalia. It was not ideal circumstances, but we stepped out in faith. But you can't do it on your own. Whatever it is that you're going to do, you need God. You need his strength. You need Jesus and his, his power in your life. So let me ask you, what is it in your life that you would like to be different? What is it that, that you wish were, were better in your life? Good intentions aren't enough. You've got to do something. You want things to be different in your life. You've got to do some things differently. What are you going to do? What are you waiting on? Maintain a bias for action. God specializes in using failures. Imperfect, flawed people. Because that's all he has to use. That's who I am. That's who you are. Flawed. Imperfect. Failure. But God wants to use you. He wants to use me. Earlier this year, uh, I was leading a Bible study group, and uh, we had been talking in a series, and we were talking about that in our, in our small group, about how critical and essential it is for us to, to get into God's Word for ourselves, to read it, to internalize it, to, to apply it, to live it out, to follow what, what God says in, in His Word. And one of the, the couples that was in the, in the group believed that God wanted things to be different and better in their lives and in their marriage. And they decided to do something, not just to think about it, not just to talk about it, but they decided that what they were going to do is they were going to start reading a chapter of the Bible every day together as a couple and talking about it for a little bit. I, I hadn't challenged them, encouraged them, I hadn't even thrown out that idea. I wish I had, but I hadn't. And a couple weeks later, we were in a small group Bible study, and they tell us what, in the group, they tell us what they've been doing. They said, it's made such a difference, such an impact in our lives and in our marriage. They said, in fact, our marriage has never been better than it is right now. Here's a couple who, since God nudging them to do thing, something in their lives, so that their lives and their marriage could be different and better, and they did it. And it changed things. Small actions made consistently over time can make a big, big difference. But there's got to be action. What are we going to do? We can't change everything, but we can do something. My challenge to you is whatever it is that God is calling you, nudging you to do in your life, do it. Do it. Quit putting it off. Do it. Join God in what he is doing and do it. You have everything you need to accomplish, to do what God has called you to do. Let that sink in. You have everything you need, need to do what God is calling you, nudging you, leading you to do. 
You are one step away from your marriage, your family, your relationships, your physical life, your emotional life, your spiritual life, getting on the right track. You are one step away from making a difference with your life. You're one step away from things being different and better in your life. Step out of your fears and out of your doubts and step into God's calling for your life. Step into God's calling. Join God in what he's doing. For some of you, there's a ministry that you need to be a part of. A Bible study you need to start. Some of you, you may need to change careers because God is calling you to do something more. He's calling you into vocational ministry to start a church. He's calling you to be a missionary. He's calling you to impact the lives of, of others. What is it that God is calling you to, to do? But it all starts before that. Some of you have wandered away. You drifted. From him, come back to Jesus. You're sinking, you're going under. You've left God out of the picture. Turn to him. He's there. Take one big step out of your doubts, out of your fears, and into God's calling for your life. You bow your heads with me. I just want you to take a moment to think, to process about what we talked about today. What is it that God is calling you to do? What is it that God, not, not what you want to be different and better, what is it that God wants to be different and better in your life? Take a big step into God's calling for your life. Don't let your doubts, don't let your fears win. If you've never opened your life up to Jesus, it starts there. Whether you're joining online, you're joining in person. If you've never opened your life up to Jesus, maybe you just kept pushing him away in your life. And today you realize, I need Jesus. Would you turn to him? Say, Jesus, I want you in my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I accept your gift of forgiveness. Forgiving, forgive me for pushing you out, for leaving you out of the picture in my life. I want to follow you. I want to join you in what you're doing. My hope that's, is that that's everyone's prayer here. You say, God, I want to join you in what you're doing. More important than my dreams, what I've been pursuing, what I want, is I want what you want for my life. You've been knocked down? Get back up. Even when it's hard, keep going. Get back up. Take the next step. God wants to use you as a difference maker in your marriage, in your home, with your friends, at, at work. Let God use you in your life. God, thank you for inviting us to be a part of what you're doing. May we join you in the greatest cause of all. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.